we are um, turning today to Psalm 19. And I'll just pray before we read from the Word. Father, we come this morning with uh, expectancy, Lord, that you are a God who speaks to us. And so, Lord, as we come and open your Word together this morning... I just really ask, God, that you would deposit in us what it is that you want us to hear from you this morning. We just incline our ears and our hearts towards you. And thank you, God, that you love us enough to speak to us. Amen. So we're heading to Psalm 19 this morning. We are continuing our series looking at the written word of God and how its place in our lives as believers. Um, I think Peter, uh, a number of months ago, described a sermon as standard fare. I, I like to think of it as bread and butter. So this is a standard fare sermon, but I'm just really trusting that for all of us it is a, a word in season. So I'm going to be reading from verse 7 of Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even more than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This beautiful psalm is thought to have be one of David's early psalms, this one in Psalm 23, and just really reveals the reverence that David had for God's word. Andrew shared with us last week uh, from Scripture that Scripture is God-breathed and that it is a supernatural word that has practical application in our lives to teach us, to train us and to equip us for every good work. I don't think that there'd be anyone here amongst us who would dispute the importance and the authority of Scripture. But as believers, do we interact with Scripture on a daily basis as a part of our lives? I read a quote during the week. It said, the Bible... We believe it, we revere it, we just don't read it. Um, I was looking up some studies during the week. There aren't very many Australian studies. One Australian study that I did find said that less than half of all Australian households have a Bible in it now. 
which I found quite staggering. Um, Another study that I read, which was an American-based study, and I understand that culturally they are a little bit different to us, but this study showed that the number of Bible readers in the last in one just one generation had fallen by 20%. And this um, article was saying that if that trend continued, by 2040, two-thirds of Americans would have no meaningful connection with the Bible. Now, what this means for us, I don't want to just quote statistics to you, but is that as less and less people are connected with the Word of God, basically what also comes within culture is the loss of the fundamental understandings of the understanding of the truths of Christianity. And, so, and then it becomes myths that people believe. Um, one study in America found um, that 82% of Americans think God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. A Barna poll indicated that at least 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Another survey of graduating high school students found that 50% of them thought Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. And a considerable number of respondents to one poll indicated that they thought the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. Another Barna Institute study revealed that 84% of born-again believers... And the Barna Institute does a lot of studies and lo over a long period of time. 84% of born-again believers base moral decisions on feelings. In a fickle and uncertain and changing world, we need more than opinions and we need more than our feelings. So neither feelings nor popular opinion determine truth. Truth is rooted in scripture, in the word of God. In other words, we cannot figure out truth apart from scripture. So despite all the other options that are available to us, scripture is timeless. It has stood the test of time. Unlike some of our modern um, terminologies. I think Adam, um, no it was actually Andrew, teasing me a few months ago um, in a sermon about in a text I sent to him using FOMO, fear of missing out. And he texted me back and said, oh that sounds terrible, is it contagious? And there are a whole lot of those things in our modern day language, aren't they? LOL is another one, which means laugh out loud. But I was um, reading something during the week that said that a mother had sent her son a text and said, Dear son, I just need to let you know Auntie Mary's died, LOL. So he texted back and said, Mum, what do you think LOL means? And she said, Lo lots of love? No. <laughs> And then I was put right by one of my daughters this week because I really do try to keep up with the right lingo and I was talking about my use of LOL and she looked at me and she said, Mum, you don't use LOL in, in, in messages. That, if you use that, you're being sarcastic. That means you're being sarcastic. If you're really laughing out loud, you use the emoji. So... If I've ever put LOL in, the, in a text to you, I'm not being sarcastic. I just didn't know the conventions. 
Anyway, in a world that is saturated with easily accessible information to us and where the average person can actually reach thousands of people with their opinions, our challenge as believers is to actually allow the word of God to take its rightful place in our lives. So I'm really hoping to be practical today. How do we turn on the light of his word in our lives in a consistent manner? That's really my question to us today. How do we do that consistently? And I want to start by being honest, if you'll permit me to be. As I share with you today, this comes from actually my own place of wrestling with this. I have swung in and out of how to interact with Scripture in a meaningful way and in a manner that actually elevates its importance in my life. I've oscillated between loving scripture and just feeling obligated to read it. I've swung between rhythms of grace in my approach to scripture and legalism and even just downright laziness. And even as a pastor this year, I felt the gentle challenge of the Lord that as I've come to him in my quiet time and opened the word, that I've had a tendency to be just seeking out the next topic for a sermon and him saying to me, hang on, hang on a minute, I have things from my heart that I want to speak to you and and so it's a challenge for us I think and so I just I guess I want to be really clear up front I'm not preaching this as somebody who's arrived in what it looks like to allow the word of God to be a part of my life consistently I desire to have an increased hunger and thirst for the word of God I desire to have better strategies in my life and discipline to actually place scripture in its rightful place in my life. And that's really, I guess, what I'm hoping to stir for you afresh this morning is that hunger and thirst so that together we would be a community of believers where the word of God dwells in us richly, as Colossians 3 says. So I just want to look at two aspects of our relationship with scripture this morning, our attitude and our intention. So our attitude to scripture and our intention. So our attitude, if you read earlier in Psalm 19, David um, lays out this incredible description of the majesty and the grandeur of our creator God. He paints this picture of the enormity of God, that he is so enormous that when he formed the heavens, he made a tent for the sun, it describes. Like just such a picture of just how big our God is. And it's in the light of this, painting this picture of how enormous and majestic God is, that he then goes on to say, Your word is perfect. Your testimony is sure. Your precepts are right. This is all true because of who God is. And so actually when we come to scripture, we need to remember first who our God is because he's the one who breathed the words. So how you view something will actually impact how you interact with it. How we approach scripture matters. Our attitude towards scripture matters. As we come to scripture, we want to be like David, where we are mindful of the majesty, power and authority of the one who breathed it. 
Isn't it incredible that we have the almighty God, the creator of this universe, who actually wants to communicate with us and wants to lead us? Uh, It begs the question, why on earth would we want to look anywhere else for guidance and leading other than the one who made us? So if we believe that this book is God-breathed, the inspired word of God, we are to have no other response than to have reverence and to be completely submitted to the authority of Scripture in our life. So it's this attitude of submission that we are to have when we come to Scripture, that we come to Scripture with humility, with a sense of teachability rather than I know it all, with an openness to hear and to obey. Because true freedom is found in submission to the word of the Lord in our lives. In Matthew 7, I won't read it, but you probably are familiar with it, Jesus paints this picture of what it's the the distinction between somebody who forms a foundation of the word in their life and someone who doesn't. And so he likens those who hear and do his word as those who build their house upon a rock, like a solid foundation. And that when the storms of life come, uh, when things, um, circumstances uh, befall us, that in fact our house stands. Conversely, he describes the one who hears the word and doesn't do it as one who builds their house upon the sand. And when the winds and the floods come, the house falls. We will have a shaky foundation when we dismiss or diminish the role of scripture in our lives. As people in this modern era, we are bombarded with lots of things that actually sound good but are not truth. And this is how Paul puts it in Timothy. We reread part of this last week in 2 Timothy 4. It says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I read that and I thought he, he could just easily be describing our generation rather than that of one 2,000 years ago. That, that, that with itching ears we accumulate for ourselves teaching that better suits what we want and what we feel rather than what's in the word. As we follow Jesus, we need guardrails in our life to keep us on track. One of those is community and we've spent a lot of time this year talking about community and how important it is for us to be a part of Christian community as a means of keeping us on track when we're following Jesus. The other is scripture, that scripture helps us keep on track as we follow the Lord. So scripture is to be our final authority. Our experience is not to be our final authority in our life. Our feelings are not. The number of people that you can find to agree with you is not. Pastors are not the final authority in your life. Peer pressure is not. And social media definitely isn't. Scripture is. 
everything in our lives should be measured and tested against the standard of his word. So when you are considering a matter or looking for wisdom on something or a different perspective, do you ask yourself, what does the Bible say about this? Do you test everything by scripture, including what we preach here, what you listen to in podcasts, when you go to conferences or when your friends share opinions with you? Do you test it against the standard of scripture? As a church, we believe that God reveals himself to us in, uh, in our experience, that we are able to experience God. And we also believe that we are to allow scripture to reveal him to us. Scripture enables us to discern who he is, who his character is, that he, sa- he is who he says he is, and also to recognize when it's not him in our lives. It helps us to learn to recognize his ways. And we are to be familiar with scripture so that we can discern truth because God never contradicts himself. He isn't fickle and he does not change. So every experience of ours needs to be understood and tested through the lens of scripture. Scripture is much more than just an instruction or procedural manual. He reveals his nature and character, as I've said, but he also reveals through, through Scripture who we are to him. That, in fact, it's in the light of Scripture that we get a more accurate picture of ourselves. Andrew said last week, we don't simply go to Scripture for information but for transformation, to allow ourselves to be changed by his word. So according to David in Psalm 19, where we've just read, some of the fruit of placing God's written word in our lives in its rightful place include comfort, joy, direction, protection, wisdom, the revealing of our hidden faults and sins, that in fact scripture illuminates those and shows us and brings correction in our lives, that scripture enlightens our eyes and brings perspective and a right understanding of who God is. So the light of his word brings both truth and freedom. So like David, our attitude is to reflect that reverence and submission to Scripture and to allow it to guide us and to have its perfect effect in us. And now I want to just look at our intention. And I want to be clear here, I'm not talking about our good intentions. I used to say to Justin, if I had a kind of a plaque where I'm buried, it would have to say she had many good intentions. So I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about how we can be intentional towards scripture and allowing it to have its rightful place in our lives. So if you are parents of young children or you interact with young children, that might be nieces and nephews or grandchildren, you might have noticed that they love to watch things over and over and over again. I always used to marvel when I'd say to the kids, 
what do you want to watch? And they choose like a video, and it probably was a video back then, not a DVD. Um, they choose a video that they, they'd like watched 25 times. And I, you know, just watching it over and over again. So Justin and I were quite mindful of that when we chose movies and books that we owned in our home in discerning what our kids would actually look at. We, we use the terminology, what are they feeding on? So obviously there's some books and movies that were just totally inappropriate for them. There were those that look once off, even twice, is not going to really have that much impact on them. But if we owned it and they were watching it multiple times a week, that in fact it became something that they were feeding on. Um, and so we were actually... We tried to be fairly careful. We didn't always get it right. We got Angelina Ballerina. Angelina Ballerina has a very bad attitude and she's quite mean to her friends sometimes. So we sometimes had to sit down and talk about not having an Angelina attitude. But um, but it's this idea of what do we feed ourselves on, I guess is what I'm trying to get across to you. So that's a question I want to ask you this morning. What are you feeding on? Or you may not sit down and watch the same movie 25 times but but what are you feeding on actually only twice in scripture does it tell us to study the word over 300 times it tells us to meditate on the word and that word meditate means to speak it out to chew it over to actually allow scripture to search us and to change us it means to memorize it and so to meditate on scripture it means to feed on it and so what we feed on will impact our life. And that have obviously in a natural sense we know that in our natural body, both in our but it also is for our mind and our spirit. What we feed on has an impact on us. So are you eating junk food or are you eating whole foods? God makes quite clear in his word that we are to have his word in us. That, that scripture in Colossians 3 that says that the word should dwell in us richly. And I was um, talking to Adam about this during the week and he was telling me about a cricket coach that he had who used to talk of um, their skills for on the field as being what they had in their kit bag. And he'd say to them, there's no point... Um, if your skills aren't in your kit bag off the field, you're not going to be able to pull it out on the field. So it's a bit the same for us. The, the word needs to be in us so that when we're on the field, in the midst of life, when the storms of life come, when we're asked tricky questions, when something comes that we're not sure about, that we have the word of God in our kit bag, that we are able to pull that out and to know and rightly divide what is truth and what is not. It says that, it says that that's what scripture does for us, that it enables us to rightly divide that. So our ultimate experience or example, sorry, of, of who we follow is Jesus, right? And Jesus had relationship with scripture, he consistently interacted with scripture and talked about it, quoted it, read it. Um, he did that with his disciples. He did that in crowds that he was ministering to, to individual people that he spoke to. He used scripture when he interacted with the devil and with the religious leaders. But we cannot be familiar with scripture. It cannot dwell in us just simply by owning a Bible. We can't just lay it on our heads and hope that by osmosis we're going to actually know what it says. It actually takes us being intentional 
It takes effort. It takes time and it takes commitment and the dreaded word discipline. We actually have to read it. And sometimes, I think Andrew said this last week, sometimes we actually need to do things even when we don't feel like it just because we know it's good for us. Um, This year I've been looking at what I have eaten and I, um, through the personal trainer that I was working with, I needed to increase my protein. And I am actually not somebody who's a great fan of eggs, which is a bit funny given that we own chickens, but anyway. And, but one of the great ways to increase your protein is with eggs. So I, I was trying three to four times a week to have one egg and two egg whites as my breakfast. I can tell you I was not doing it because I thought that was a really great thing or tasty or I really emotionally wanted eggs. It was because I knew that it was good for me. And so there are times where we actually have to make that choice. One aspect of the modern era is digital technology and it got me thinking this week, um, what is the impact on us as we approach the word, what, what impact, how does that impact us, digital technology? It's great that we can have access to our Bibles on our phones and our iPads and our laptops but actually I think that digital technology has meant that we've actually become a generation of skim readers, that we're actually we've lost the art of actually reading for fluency, that we're good at reading small chunks and sound bites of information um, and, and usually they need to grab our attention, but that we've actually lost the art of reading in depth And I I just wonder how that has actually impacted how we interact with the Word of God, that a generation ago they were more book readers and people who actually would sit down and read and digest large chunks of Scripture at a time. I mean, I am the first to say it can be very handy if you can think of a bit of a Scripture and you think, I've no idea where that is, to type that into your search engine and ping, there it is, that... um, that in fact you know where, where, where the verse is. Uh, it's, a, it, it's great. Modern technology can be really wonderful. But that is not the same as meditating on the word of God and, and allowing it to, it to dwell in us and to allow it to transform us. There is nothing wrong with us knowing kind of what I guess what I call greeting style verses, the things that end up on mugs and bookmarks and things like that so I love that you can know short scriptures like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or greater is he that is in me that he that is in the world but we actually need more than that we need to actually know the word of God in depth and breadth I'll give you an example of that Um, in our um, home group we've been uh, reading through Colossians and in Colossians 3 uh, Paul outlines some interactions, um, or he- what, what it looks like to have healthy relationships. So he talks about relationships between husbands and wives. He talks about them between children and parents. And he also talks about them between slaves and masters. And that passage of scripture in the 1800s when there was a lot going on to look at abolishing the slave trade, there were Christians who used that passage of scripture to justify keeping slavery. That because in the word of God, there is this information around actually how a slave and a master is to interact, that that somehow advocated that it was all right for everybody to have slaves. And so 
that would never be God's intention. It, there was a cultural thing going on there and Paul was making sure that those people who were still um, in some kind of bound service were treated well. But to actually suggest when you read the rest of scripture that God would be advocating that we could all have a slave is ridiculous to us in this modern era but they use that and I guess what for me it highlights is that we can actually get ourselves into trouble when we use little chunks with our own agenda without actually looking at the bigger picture. So I want to finish today, I hope, just with some really practical thoughts on how we can, as God's people, intentionally cultivate a lifestyle of allowing God's word to dwell in us richly. I want to start by saying there is no one-size-fits-all program to getting into the Word of God. So just like with physical fitness, there'll be some of you here who love to go walking, some of you who love to swim, some of you who love to do team sports, and in fact, that's how you get physically fit. Some people who will engage a personal trainer to do some one-on-one -on -one coaching and motivation and other people who actually much prefer to be solo and into the wilderness and getting their fitness that way. So we are all different. So I want to start with that. There is no one-size-fits-all program. We are all different. God has made us differently. That is a good thing. But just like physical training, we do actually have to get off the couch. So these are just a few things for us to be encouraged with this morning. The first is to remember the role of the Holy Spirit as we approach Scripture. He wrote it, folks. So who better to be inviting to illuminate his word to us than the author? So when we approach Scripture, come to it by just inviting the Holy Spirit first to just speak to you afresh, to illuminate what it is he has for you today. I think it's really important for us to remember, given that the Holy Spirit is the author, that particularly as a church where we really elevate the idea of being a spirit-led people, that we remember that we cannot separate being spirit-led from scripture. That in fact, the Holy Spirit teaches us and as a teacher, he wrote a book. Okay, secondly, as an encouragement, I just want to really encourage you to be realistic. I have attempted and failed to read through the Bible in a year more times than I would like to count. And usually it's been because I've been really unrealistic. They've been in the thick of the sleep-deprived stages of little children or when things were... And what I've, I've really just set myself up for failure right from the beginning. And so for some people, that's going to be a wonderful way. I know lots of people who found a read through the word in a year an excellent thing. I'm just sharing that with you to say that it's not a one-size-fits-all program. That may not fit for you and you do need to be realistic. It may be more realistic for you to say, this year I'm going to read through the Gospels and that might I might read through them a number of times and just really allow the word to dwell in me richly. You may decide that you're going to read through Psalms in a couple of months and read through all the Psalms. And again, we're not looking to simply tick a box. 
I guess is the point. We're actually really just wanting to find strategies that work for us and to be realistic in that. I certainly have a hope that within my lifetime, I will have read multiple times through the breadth and the depth of the word. But honestly, for me, that may not be just done in one year. Um, the other thing I think that we need to be realistic about is, and, and I asked the Lord this during the week, should we expect when we come to Scripture that every time we read it, we will have some profound revelation and tangible spiritual experience? No. There will be times where reading the Word, a bit like me chewing through my scrambled eggs, feels ordinary. And that's all right. Not every time you come to Scripture are you going to have a revelation you you just aren't and and actually we need to be realistic about that because I think otherwise we get disappointed and if you're like me then I think maybe I'm doing it wrong so so I just want to encourage us to be realistic in our expectations many times I've come to scripture and God has spoken to me exactly what I want to hear but sometimes it's just been an ordinary moment of reading it because I know that I need his word to dwell in me the other thing I want to encourage you not to do is to get bogged down in the bits you don't understand. If you're reading through and there are things you don't understand, you can ask the Holy Spirit about it. But sometimes there will be parts that we just don't get in the moment and that's all right. We will not understand everything. And I mean, you've probably been like me where I've read a passage of scripture and I've thought, oh, I really don't know what you're talking about there, Lord. And then another time I've come to it and, and, and he's just given me fresh revelation and he's really spoken to me through the same passage. And if we all picked a passage now, sat down and read it and then said, okay, what did the Lord reveal to you? It would all be different. That's the incredible thing about the living, active word of God that each of us can be spoken to right where we're at. But we aren't always going to understand everything. So trust the Holy Spirit. And then finally, I just want to talk about mixing it up a bit. Read Scripture together with others. That's something we've been doing in our home group the last couple of terms, reading, picking a book, reading through um, a passage together and then just chewing it over together. What's God said to you as we read it? What's he highlighting to you? Digging around together in the Word. It's a great way to get into Scripture together. You might like to do that in your family around the table. There's actually a very strong oral history of reading Scripture out loud. The other thing you might like to do is read scripture out loud to yourself. Now, would you believe this is something that I've discovered just this year? That if I'm wanting to read a relatively large chunk of scripture, it actually helps me to focus and not get to the bottom of the page and think I've no idea what I've just read. Of course, that doesn't happen to the rest of you at all. But reading it out loud actually helps me to stay focused. So I will often sit and read it out loud to myself and hear myself saying the word of God. Some people even walk as they read. There are, there are, um, there's quite a strong Jewish tradition around reading the word as you walk. And, you know, some people, again, there's lots of... Um, education theory that talks about some people are kinesthetic learners so in fact they need to be on the move to get it in if that's you that's fine bounce on the trampoline and read the word if you'd like um, the other thing that I wanted to su suggest is that you pray the bible out loud in in terms of prayer 
so that in fact there are passages of scripture that's really what I did this morning with Psalm 62 as I as we prayed that out over us that that we could agree with it in our lives and say yes we want your wraparound presence in our lives Lord so pray it out loud and the other thing is to read for fluency not just literacy so uh, what I mean by that is that sometimes um, maybe this doesn't happen to you but I might get uh, bogged down in what does that word mean and then I get reading cross-references and I'm kind of hopping about all over the place. That's a good thing to do. Studying scripture that way is great. But we also need to just read it for fluency. And there is a movement of people who feel that actually when we're reading for fluency, the chapters and verses system actually becomes very unhelpful because we stop in places that you that actually the natural flow and the genre of the writing wouldn't normally stop you there. Those, those things were put in in about the 1500s, I think. And they're obviously very helpful when you're in a Bible study or, you know, when we're preaching. It would be pretty difficult for me to open the book to um, Ephesians and say, all right, well, it's kind of like a or in the middle of, you know, we, we, we need referencing. It is a helpful thing. But when we're reading for fluency, and there are actually Bibles around that are reading Bibles. They're set out like a book. They've got the name of the books of the Bible, but there's actually no chapters and verses just so that you read it for fluency. So that's another thing that you can do. Um, what about trying different translations and paraphrases? When I told this to Andrew during the week, he did say he'd pray for me later. But um, I sometimes find it really helpful to read something in the message. Um, it's a paraphrase. It's not a translation. But to actually get the gist of maybe a passage of scripture, what the themes of it are, reading it in modern language actually can sometimes be helpful. So that's another way that you can actually allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. You might be somebody who finds devotion books really helpful. And in fact, I found a couple during the week that are for the Advent season. They're John Piper ones. They're free online. Um, you can read them from your device or if you've got printers, download them and print them off. I'll leave them at the front. If you are interested in something that, again, in this Advent season, it's a great opportunity to get into the word um, and to have a devotion you know attached to it so that might be something that's for you maybe you would be somebody who benefit from going to some bible teaching um, peter t has uh, run bible teaching um, from time to time and certainly plans to do that again next year so you know you might actually find that going along to something more structured really delving into the word in depth and um, there are lots of bible teachers and with the era of podcasts where you can actually maybe find some podcasts of somebody who's a great bible teacher and helps unpack it and again, I talked about, you know, you might be somebody who likes a personal trainer. Maybe you're somebody where actually having a mentor would be a really useful thing. Somebody to encourage you, to teach you how to get into the Word. If you're like me, I didn't grow up in a Christian household. So um, the Word of God wasn't, it wasn't something, I didn't come to Scripture until I was in my sort of late teens, early 20s. It wasn't. It hadn't been a part of my life. So, um, you know, you might be somebody who actually needs somebody to get alongside you and disciple you in that, and that's a good thing. And then the final thing that I just thought that I wanted to bring is that you may be somebody who's really creative, and in interacting with the Word of God, you might find that as you read some scripture, God inspires you with a song or with a picture or a drawing or a painting or a sculpture, 
you might find that um, you want to sort of write some things out in poetry. And so again, being allowing that deposit of the Word of God to just be deposited in you through your creativity is another way that you can interact with the Word of God. There is not a right or wrong way. We just need to get into it. So I want to finish with this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He said this, he said, A Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. A Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Let that be, let our Bibles get tatty, folks. Let us have Bibles that are falling apart so that we would be a community of believers where the Word of God dwells in us richly. We need to read it. This was not written for scholars and academics. This was written for us. Amen. Would you like to stand? So, Father, as we come to the end of our service together today, we are just so glad that we have started our week in community, in your word, in your presence, worshipping you and just... Our desire, God, is to people where the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouth would be pleasing to you, just like David said. God, we just ask, God, for a fresh approach, a fresh thirst, a fresh revelation, God, of how your we can interact with your word in our lives. God, we just come to you this morning understanding that at times... We've failed in that. But I thank you, God, for your grace. And I just ask for that fresh measure of grace this morning, God. I pray, Lord, for each one of us that you would find, help us find a good fit for us, a good fit for how we can allow your word to dwell in us, God. Would you show us how to do that, Holy Spirit? I pray that as each of us opens the word this week, that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, that, God, we would be a people who can know truth, know who you are, and, God, be ready and willing to give an account for the hope that we have to others. God, I just pray your blessing over everyone here, God, this week. God, that they would have that blessing of just being aware of you in every aspect of their life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.